Are you dealing with unmotivated teens? This is today's topic on the Dorenda Wilson podcast. Welcome moms. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, Nana to nine, and 27-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional that I wrote specifically for homeschool moms. I hope you'll check those out at DorendaWilson.com or on Amazon, and you can also find The Four-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the two places that I just mentioned. I am so glad that you're here today, and I know that some of you... um, already subscribe to Homeschooling Today magazine, but I'm just here to give you a quick encouragement to check them out. My favorite homeschooling magazine ever. If you'll go and look, you'll see why. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Um, Also, you know, you guys have heard me talk about CTC math for some time now, but have you actually tried it out yet? CTC Math provides online video tutorials that make learning math easy and effective. Aren't those two key words when it comes to math lessons, easy and effective? This online math program uses creative graphics and animation that are sure to grab and keep your child's attention. I encourage you to start your free trial today by visiting ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. So I recently had a mom send in an email message or something. I can't remember where I picked it up, but she was asking about how to motivate your teen. And she's not the first mom that has written me about this. Um, And I will say this is a bit of a tough question to answer because your teens are not my teens. I'm not there in your home to see the dynamics that are going on and just the whole like landscape of what might be some of the reasons your teen is unmotivated, but I can share my own experience and hopefully that you'll find you'll find some direction or some inspiration from that. So that is the purpose and intent in today's podcast. So we're going to start by talking about why your teen might be unmotivated, okay? So let's first talk about hormones because that is actually a thing. We all know it, but we kind of forget about it. Um, I actually kind of two things happen. Either parents blame everything on the hormones or they forget completely that their kids are struggling with hormones. Now, if you guys can remember back, it's a way big stretch for me to remember back to that age, 12, 13, 14 in there, how hard that was. That's kind of like the junior high age. It is so tough because you don't, you're not a, you know, a full-on teenager yet. You're not an adult. You're not really feeling like a little kid. And then you got all these hormones like rushing through and this sudden awareness of the fact that you are actually separate from your parents. You start having just these like feelings you've never had before. And so, you know, the best, most cooperative, loving child can definitely be showing a very different temperament as you go into the to the teen years. And this is what everybody talks about and warns us about. But moms, it's not anything to be afraid of. It's just part of life. And I think if God has ordained this as part of life, which clearly he has, there's a purpose in it. And he has something good in all of it. And not necessarily easy, but definitely good. So we have to remember that our teens are starting to experience like just these floods 
of hormones. They're a real thing. Like we know how it feels when we have PMS and I mean, we think I do not feel like myself. Well, this is what's happening to them too, only they've never experienced this before. So there does need to be a certain amount of grace for that factor. But what I have noticed a lot of times is they need extra sleep. So they can be overtired um, even when they're sleeping like the normal length that they would normally sleep in the past that was adequate may not be adequate anymore. Uh, The other thing is making sure that their food, the food that they're eating is nutrient dense. And so as best we can, hopefully we've trained them up to this point to eat their veggies and to make good food choices, but we can continue to encourage that. We want them to own that. That's a very important part of uh, their adult life to make good food choices. Um, So really, we're going to start there with the kind of the physiological aspect of it, the hormones, the maybe needing a little extra sleep and possibly needing supplements. That's also a possibility um, during this time. But the other thing that's happening is because all of this is going on, our kids are a lot of times realizing, like I said, that they are separate from us. They're an individual and they're before that they see them as part of us. Like they're sort of like, we're sort of one in the same. When they go into the teen years, they're starting to recognize that mom and dad are completely separate from them. They become more self-aware. And this just happens naturally. This is part of life. This is part of the journey for them. And so they start to react to that in kind of wanting to exert their independence and sort of start to cut the apron strings. But that can... um it's important for them to understand that that's an important part of the process, but it's not quite time to do that across the board. There may be some things that we can do to help them, you know, encourage them to make some of their own decisions that they actually can make, because this is the, this is kind of the point at which you're transitioning over the next several years um, into adulthood. And this is where you're going to be slowly offloading more and more responsibility onto them. And so this is really important that they understand that this is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. And they may feel some resentment towards us. That can be normal. But it's really important for them to take that before the Lord and to yield that to Him. And so this is a just really a great jumping off place for a lot of fantastic conversations with our kids over the coming years. Okay, another reason that our teen might be unmotivated, and again, the hormones are not an excuse, but they do change the landscape. And we need to we need to acknowledge that and, and consider that as one of the variables in the equation. And then, of course, needing the extra sleep, possible supplements, and talking with them about that. Like, how can we better support your body if you're feeling extra tired or whatever? Let's let's work together to help that get better. Let's let's work together on that. And and then you're having like you're ending up having conversations about health. What does it look like to take good care of yourself to recognize, oh, I'm feeling run down and so this is what I need to do. This is this is kind of how we're transitioning into moving them into being responsible adults in taking care of themselves. Okay, a second reason that our teens can be unmotivated and of course there's This is not an exhaustive study on why our teens can be unmotivated. These are just some things that came to mind um, based on my experience with the kids. Uh, It could be lack of discipline up to this point where maybe 
um, we haven't been as good as we should at shouldering them responsibly with responsibility slowly over the elementary years. And now we're wanting them to take on some responsibility and act a little more like an adult. And they're looking at us like we have three heads. Well, what's this? You know, and then throw throw in the fact that they're feeling their, you know, kind of like their independence and all of that. And you kind of have a recipe for some disrespect and some major conflict. Um, so this is a great reason, moms, to start giving our kids responsibility at an early age and slowly shouldering them with more over the years. And so this is not something that, you know, if that has happened, this is not something that can't be rectified. And I'll be talking about that in just a minute. Um, another reason that they can feel unmotivated, I mentioned earlier, feeling their independence. Um, one thing to bear in mind um, to kind of help alleviate mom guilt, because this can happen really quickly, um, that we wonder if, you know, maybe we should give them more independence. You know, how does all this work? Um, and we have to remember to keep a biblical perspective. And what that is, is that our kids are biblically still under our instruction as teens, whether they like it or not. Um, and that can be very hard for them to swallow, but it's necessary. And of course, we can work with them. And I'll be talking about ways to help motivate your teens in just a minute. But it's important to acknowledge that this is not um, being a teenager and feeling their independence or, you know, lack of discipline on our part up to this point is not a get out of jail free card for them. We are still responsible as parents to hold their feet to the fire because we want to finish well. No matter what's happened previously, we want to finish well. And so really, this is a chance for our kids <clears throat> to deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow Jesus and do what the Bible says to do, to live their theology out of their fingertips. You know, a lot of times we have kids who are proclaiming their faith and you see them, you know, they've given their life to the Lord. Um, they seem to be growing in their faith, but they struggle, especially as teenagers, to be respectful, to do what we're asking them to do. Um, and this is where we get to hold their feet to the fire and say, listen, if this is what you really believe, you need to walk it out. Okay. And then the second, you know, possibility is that they're not really embracing their faith and they haven't up to this point. And so this is, again, another great time to start having those conversations. Um, but it doesn't mean that we alter the standards and we say, well, they're not embracing their faith, so I can't challenge them with that to, you know, live out their theology. Therefore, I'm not going to make them do the things that they need to do. That's not a good decision. That is not a good route to go because basically you're just, you're compromising. And what you, it could get hairy for a while. I will warn you about that. If they haven't embraced their faith and you're still saying, look, you need to, you need to, you know, do what we're telling you to do. These are the chores you need to do. These are the responsibilities that you have that you need to fulfill. That's going to bring things to a head. This can also be a great time to point out their need for Christ. So as they're seeing the ugliness that's coming out, we have the opportunity to say, look, I'm right there with you. This is who I am too and would be without Christ. So you can't do this on your own. You do need him. But you can totally do this in his strength. And so it, it, it can be a real interesting journey if that's the case. But don't give up and don't 
not hold their feet to the fire because it's uncomfortable, because they don't like you. It's a lot of times with uh, teenagers, it's really hard because we want to be their friend. We want to keep a good relationship with them. And that's honorable to want to keep a good relationship with them, but it cannot be based on a lie. It has to be grounded in truth. That relationship has to be based in truth. And so otherwise it's just going to be a dysfunctional relationship. So we need to be careful about that. The challenge at this point in the game is that they often, these teens will make it more difficult than they ever have because they're becoming more complex in their thinking and developmentally they have, they pull out new tricks and that they've never tried before. And you're looking at them like, who are you? And what did you do with my child? (laughs) And then we start to feel guilty. We start to feel unsure of how much pressure to put on and what kind of pressure to put on. Again, we don't want to damage the relationship, but at the same time, we can't put the relationship above our children's duty to obey God. Scripture clearly says that children are to obey their parents. This doesn't stop when they're teens. Again, we are giving them, um, you know, some new privileges and some things like that, but with privilege comes responsibility. And so this is where we're kind of walking that line with our kids. We want to teach our children to be wise. And Proverbs is full of scriptures that talk about what wisdom looks like and what foolishness looks like. And so that's a really great thing to study with your teen because it helps them grow in discernment as to what wisdom and foolishness looks like. And we can kind of like look at that and apply it to our everyday life. So as, you know, they're mouthing off to us because they're not... um, happy because we're correcting them about the job that they're doing. The scripture talks about how a wise person is willing to take instruction and a foolish one is not. So that's a, these are very practical, practical things that we can be teaching our kids as we're walking through this specific season with them. There's some scriptures that I want to share with you that I think are really important to keep in mind. There's lots more other than what I'm going to share with you today, but here are a few. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. That is a directive to a young person. This is what God has called them to, 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 to set an example, to not be the teen that everybody thinks a teen is supposed to be, especially in our culture. Um, So they're not letting anyone look down on their youth, but rather in speech and conduct, love, faith, and purity, they show themselves as examples of those who believe. So basically they're acting like a Christian in their home and out of their home. And doing it at home granted, is often the hardest place for them to do that. And for all of us to do that, we take each other for granted. We know we're going to be loved no matter what. And so we sometimes are not on our best behavior. And so this is where I would remind my kids, look, if you can pull this off here, and I know you can, just just know this is the hardest place, this, but this is training ground. So that as you do this, as you do the hard thing, When you have your own family, it's actually going to be easier. When you go out to be with other people and to, you know, act like a Christian 
outside of your home. It's going to be easier and more natural if you are doing it inside of your home because what we don't want to raise are hypocrites, right? There are a lot of people out there who are, even in ministry, who are preaching and teaching things, but they are not living it at home. We do not want to be that, and we do not want our children to be that. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to God's word. So God's word is a priority. Again, studying Proverbs, excellent. Very logical, practical. Boys especially really love the Proverbs because it's just black and white. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 12.15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes but a wise man listens to advice. So this is great for those times when the teen thinks they they know better than you do, and this will happen frequently. Um, this is a great verse to apply to that. We're, you know, a fool thinks he's right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. These are very practical, applicable um, parenting tools and verses that we can use. I mean, obviously, we're not going to beat our kids up with the scripture, but we do need to make them aware. What does God's word say? And again, these are not my rules. This is, these are not my ideas. This is the God of the universe who created you, who said these, this is the way to live. And so when they're not, when they're resisting that, they're not resisting you, they're resisting God. And so I think that's super important too. You want them to own their relationship with the Lord. And so it's important for them to understand that when they are disrespectful to you and disobedient and um, just, you know, doing the things that teenagers do that aren't okay. um, And again, not all teenagers do those things, but it's kind of common that they need to answer to God for that. And so this is where it's really important for us to not get emotional in our parenting. We need to go, hey, you, child, teenager, I want you to come over here and, and look because this right here, this is God and this is who you are disobeying. You know, like it's not it's not me, it's him because he has made these he has he has given us these principles in his word he has given us instruction on the way he sh- we should live and specific instruction to youth and so that is what you're called to me aside me out of the picture and this is super important that we do not use emotions to manipulate our children so we're not going to say things like i just try so hard and i'm just trying to lead you to jesus and you're not going. I can't make you do it. I'm just, I'm just so tired of trying. And that is complete and utter manipulation. What you want to say is, I want what's best for you. And what's best for you is what God says is best for you. And this is what he says. For example, if you have a teen who, you know, maybe they're looking at stuff on the internet that they shouldn't, you know, it's easy to just whoo, freak out, come unglued. And yeah, it's a very serious thing. We want to nip this in the bud. But the worst thing we can do is get emotional about it. And it's a perfect opportunity to point our kids back to the cross. And maybe they're not even looking at anything terrible, but just things that aren't just kind of useless, you know? And so we want to say something like, so what is it about that thing is this could include a bad habit. Uh, you know, why do you keep going back to this? Like, what is it about this that is attracting you? What is it about this that makes you want to go back to it? Can you explain the 
you know, what it is about this that is piquing your interest. So we're having a conversation and we're trying to understand them more. And this is so important. Seek to understand before being understood. It can be so easy to fly off the handle. And moms, I have done this a million times. Had to go back and make things right. But it's easy to fly off the handle, especially, you know, when the emotions have been wound up. And and instead of just saying, hey, what's really going on here? Can you tell me a little bit more about why you did this or why you said that? And again, every everything doesn't need to turn into a conversation like that. But when things are like repeatedly happening, that could be a really great place to have that conversation. All right, so 1 Timothy 5, 8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So our kids are practicing for when they have their own families while they're at home with us. So they're learning what it looks like to provide for a family in the ways that they can. Um, Things like bringing order through housework and picking up and doing the dishes, yard work. They're learning what it takes to maintain a home and how to care for children. These are all life skills that they get to hone in on and sharpen while they're home. And then when they go into adulthood, they are equipped for these things. But I love what this verse says. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his household, he's denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. So this isn't just talking about parents providing for their kids. This is family members providing for one another within the home. The scriptures, I used to give the scripture to my kids a lot because sometimes they would just be kind of little boogers. One would say, oh, well, can I play with your toy or whatever? Or can I borrow that? You know, as a teenager, they might say, can I borrow that coat? And the other one would say, no, you can't. No good reason. They're just withholding. But the scripture says, if we can do something good for someone, we should do it. And I would remind them of that scripture. If you're able to do something good for someone, you should do it. That's not just people outside of our household, but that's people within our household. So again, our kids are on training ground. We're kind of sharpening, honing in on those life skills that involve family and housework and relationships and all that in these teen years. Uh, Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept instructions that you may gain wisdom in the future. Proverbs 22, 29, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Skillfulness is important to the Lord. Diligence is important to the Lord. Proverbs 21, 5 says the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty, doing their jobs too quickly so that they're not doing them well. It's not, it's not nearly as fruitful. And so we want to teach our kids that, you know, they reap what they sow. Like if you're going to sow in a miserly way without a lot of effort, you're not going to get a lot back. But if you sow seeds generously, diligently, you will get that back. The Bible says um, basically that do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And so if you sow seeds unto righteousness, you're going to reap that. So whether that's in relationships, whether that's in their schoolwork, whether that's in their chores, they need to be investing with diligence and wisdom and, and 
you know, just working with all their might and and um, knowing that God will bless it. Um, another thing we need to keep in mind is to be sure that as we're requiring these things of them, that they are actually, okay, sorry, wrong part of my notes. We'll get to that in a minute. Some important things to remember in the midst of trying to motivate your teens. First of all, insist on respectfulness. How your children talk to you matters. How your teens talk to you matters. You are not a peer. You are their parent. There needs to be a certain amount of respect in how they are speaking to you. Even if they have issues with you, and and I welcomed my kids to talk about, if they had issues with me, to talk about it with me, but they had to be respectful. Um, So what it looked like, for instance, for our boys is that I learned from my husband that I was using too many words with our boys. And I needed to reduce the words down to like less than 15 seconds. And that took a lot of work for me because I love words. And and when I get emotional, I get, I end up talking way too much and they were shutting me, they were just shutting me out. They weren't hearing me, they weren't responding. And so my husband said, they don't respect you when you use too many words. You need to just like really dial that back. That made such a difference with our teen boys. And I talked to them about it and they're like, yeah, mom, we would rather have physical pain than listen to you continue to talk. And they weren't being disrespectful. They were just being honest. And I was like, okay, I can do that. See, and these are things that conversations we have with our kids and things we learn that can help to motivate them. Um, It doesn't change their responsibility to be respectful and follow through. But if I can encourage them to do the right thing by how I'm approaching the situation and in using less words, I'm going to do that. Because as a believer, we're supposed to encourage each other and spur each other on to love and good works. And that is a way that I can do that with my teens. I would have noticed that the boys also need their dads to step in more. Kind of that manly force needs to be there more in the teen years, especially when it comes to discipline and correction and and, and working and some things like that. I noticed the girls, like they leaned more towards more counsel from me. They still definitely need their dads and boys still need their moms, but it's a different dynamic in the teen years. So in general, the moms or the girls tend to, you know, need a little more counsel from mom. Um... I think one thing also that our kids need to know is that we and our husbands are on the same page. You guys need to be a force to be reckoned with. And so if there's something you are not in agreement on, you need to get together separately and talk it out and come to an agreement. Because uh, my friend said this once when uh, we were both raising teens at the same time. And um, she just told her husband, she said, if we have got to be on the same page or they will eat us alive. (laughs) which totally made me laugh, but she wasn't wrong. Um, Without even realizing it, our teens hone in, even our younger kids can do this, hone in um, on when we're in disagreement and they will go to the parent where they're going to get their way. They, They can figure that out really quickly. So we need, especially in those teen years, to make sure that we are both on the same page. Again, you are not a peer. I remember the boys would start talking to me um, as though I were a peer. And at some points, they even tried to start like telling me how things were going to be. And I just told them, I said, listen, you were made to be a leader. You were made to lead a home, to be in charge. Um, This is part of your manly nature. And I respect that. But this is not the time for that. Like I'll work with you the best I can, 
but you are not my husband. I already have a husband and it's not you. And so now is your time to practice being respectful to a woman, honoring, you know, learning how to treat me in a respectful and honoring way, which is going to, again, overflow into their marriage, right? And there they will be the head of the household, but they will also understand how to respect and honor the woman in the household. And we moms are teaching them that. So we are not going to let them speak to us disrespectfully. And my my favorite line was always like, you want to try that again? Or uh, come again, something like that. It was my little code to them that I was giving them some grace to say things the right way in the right tone. And um, that was very helpful because they did need to do that because sometimes they would just react and they needed a moment to like, course correct, self-correct, which is what we want them to do. And when they do that, then they own it and we want them to own that. Um, So whether they like it or not, our teenagers are still in training. Um, And again, this is the most challenging part for both them and us. Um, And remember that with privilege comes responsibility. Typically, as they're getting older into their teen years, they get to do more things. But we need to remind them that with that comes responsibility. There's a balance there. Um, Let's talk about ways to motivate them. I think starting out with having the conversation. Okay, so I mentioned earlier, what if you haven't done a good job up to this point of shouldering them with responsibility? Well, guess what? You can sit down with them and have that conversation. I have not done a good job up to this point. I should have shouldered you with more responsibility because you are totally capable of more. You're now like moving toward adulthood. And so I want to make sure that I'm equipping you to be um, a responsible, productive adult. So that means you're going to need to carry your weight here in the family. And so then you're going to work together with them to encourage ownership. You know, sometimes I would just talk about the chores. Sometimes I let them have some input onto kind of what chores, you know, here's a list. Which ones do you want to do? But not always. We do not have to do that. Um, but always continually reminding them that we are on the same side. Like, this is not you against me. This is us working together as a team. Another way to motivate them is ask what motivates them. Shocker, right? I would love to sit down and say with my kids, say to my kids, like, what motivates you like to get up in the morning and make your bed and da 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 da? What is it that, you know, helps you get up and do that? And they would tell me, and it would tell me a lot about their personality, you know, like what their love language is and things like that. Someone had words of, you know, they just liked the affirmation that they were doing a good job. Um, other kids, you know, like an occasional gift, other kids a hug, you know. So hopefully by now we kind of have an idea of what that is, but it's really good to ask them again in the teen years because that can change as they get older. But also remember that everything does not have to be perfect for them to do the right thing. Okay, this is important because often we'll try to, I would do this, at least maybe I'm the only one. Well, I would try so hard because I wanted them to do the right thing that I started taking responsibility for what they were responsible for. And then that gets messy because then they start looking at me like, well, you know, you're doing this, right? And I was like, no, I'm not supposed to be doing this. This is your responsibility. So we need to be careful not to cross over that line. But there's some things that we can do in terms of, um, motivating them. I asked Luke, um, our son, about this at one point. I said, you know, do you, when I have a list of things for you to do, would you rather I give you the whole list or would you rather I give you one thing at a time? Now, growing up, I wanted one thing at a time because I got overwhelmed with the list. 
But my son, Luke, he wanted the list because he wanted to be able to prioritize it the way he wanted to. He wanted to time everything. He he wanted to be in control of that list and how he was going to approach it and all of that. And, and he wanted to know what fully what was expected of him. And so he's very different from me than that. So I tried to give that to him when I could. Sometimes that was possible. Sometimes it was not. Remember, you are in charge, okay? We're working with our kids, but we're not giving up our authority. Another thing is plan fun things, especially after a big project. I remember we would cut and stack wood, And uh, then we'd have a bonfire, you know, afterwards. That was a fun thing that we did. And the problem I feel like today is our kids are really spoiled. Like in general, children are get very spoiled. They get to do so many different things that it's hard to find a reward that would satisfy them that, you know, that is, you know, something that's sustainable, you know? Um, So we need to be careful not to, overindulge our children with too many things so that when we want to give them a reward, it doesn't seem like anything because they already get that all the time, you know? So um, that's an important thing to remember. But planning fun things, you can even have them help you plan something fun. Like when you finish this course or when you finish this curriculum or when you finish this book, um, what would be a fun thing to do? <clears throat> I remember when when our little uh, daughter had finished her 100 Easy Lessons which her sister had gone through with her, her sister planned a little tea party with her. And that was, and she never forgot that. She was just, she loved that. She looked so forward to it. She never forgot it. So um, that's a great way to motivate our teens too. And again, you can let them help you decide the fun thing, but you don't have to, to do the thing they said. And you don't even have to do the fun thing. Like, I think at this point in the game, we really want to encourage our kids to own what they're doing by saying, hey, you did a great job on that. Doesn't that feel good? Look at the way that that wood is stacked. You did all of that. Just stop and enjoy that and look at it. Isn't that gratifying? You know, point out those things that they've done um, and, and, ha- and teach them how to stop and just relish in a job well done because there are a lot of things that we're going to do in life that we aren't going to get a reward for. But we're going to walk away if we understand what it feels like to, to, to know that satisfaction. We're going to walk away satisfied and they're going to walk away satisfied. So that's an important thing to bear in mind. Um, now, as I'm having them do chores and I'm telling them what they're, we're working out their responsibilities, I just would tell them if they think that I'm being unfair, even after we have discussed the plan and I'm like, okay, this is what we're doing. And we've had the discussion and this is what I've decided on and they don't think it's fair. I would tell them, pray about it first. I just want you to take some time to pray about this and ask God to change my heart because I'm listening. And if he doesn't change my heart, you just need to do what you're called to do. Um, Another way we can motivate them is be sure to thank them periodically and tell them how much we appreciate what they do and how it makes a difference in our family Um, and how it affects the people around them. Also, again, making sure that they're taking responsibility for their part and not trying to shoulder us with what is their responsibility. So here's an example. Sometimes when having a confrontation, our teens would try to bring up something from the past. You know, mom, every time this happens, you always this or never do this or that. And they're diverting the correction over to me 
it's deflecting. Maybe they have an issue with my parenting, what I tell them or how I how I tell them something or whatever. And I would just say to them, you know what? I am open to hearing what you have to say about this, but not right now. Right now, we are addressing the issue that you didn't do this job well. Okay, so let's talk about that. And then we're going to take a break and maybe later today or tomorrow, we'll talk about the other thing. So I would do that and then I would make sure that I went back to them. Okay, you had this issue with me. Tell me more about what the problem is. And most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, they would tell me I was just trying to get out of trouble. (laughs) So bear that in mind, moms. All right. Um, You know, at some point, it could be that it's required that we take away their privileges. Um, Because again, with privileges come responsibility. So if they're not doing their responsibility, they don't get to have the privileges. So we need to know their currency. Is it the phone? Is it time with friends? I mean, really nothing can be sacred um, because there's those kids who are really, they will give up. They'll be happy to give up everything except this one thing over here. And you don't want to take it away from them. Something like, oh gosh, they get together and do Bible study once a week. And you don't want to take it away because like, well, that's Bible study. Nothing is sacred. They need to tend to their um to what they're doing at home first, because this prepares them for life. Again, people are going to Bible studies all the time, appearing to be very godly. And at home, they're a hypocrite. We do not want to raise hypocrites. So home first, we're going to deal with this first. And when this has gotten worked out and we can see there's an attitude change, then you can have the privilege back again. Um, And remembering that, to help them make the connection between future jobs and families and what they're practicing at home. So in other words, this season of their life is God-ordained and it's up to them what they do with it. They can make it fruitful and help them prepare for the future or they can make it miserable. They have a choice. Um, And there's some things, now there's some things, I, I will say there are some things that they will not fully get until they are out of the house, you know, like keeping a clean room. I'll give you an example. Um, One of our son's absolute brilliant computer genius, you know, loves math, but he's, he's kind of like, he was kind of like, he reminded me like of a professor, you know, who just be so focused on everything that he'd have, you know, food molding in his room and that kind of thing. And no, and I had to make him clean his room. I had to You know, there were times that I just said, you know what, if I say any more, this is going to damage the relationship and it doesn't really matter that his room is to my standard. I just said, would you please just take out everything in here that can mold and, and get rid of it so your room doesn't smell, you know, maybe gather up your laundry, you know, keep, keep the minimum because he was doing really well on all other fronts. And I just knew at this point he needed to stay focused on what he was doing. This is well into his teen years when he's starting to go to college and, you know, started college early and things like that. So, you know, there's grace, all of that. But um, but fast forward, went to, you know, he's been working for a few years as a software engineer. I go visit him at his apartment. It's absolutely absolutely neat and tidy and clean because I set the standard at home that this is how we live. We don't live in chaos. And, you know, I did it as best I could with 10 of us living in the house. Um, It was a standard I kept. And all of my kids like order now, no matter how messy they were at home, 
they like order now. So eventually these things stick and we don't get to enjoy (laughs) the benefits of that, except to see that our kids are benefiting from it as adults. And sometimes that is just part of being a parent. And lastly, I would say set an example. We cannot expect our kids to do their work without complaining, be diligent, um, be mindful of others, you know, give when we can, when it's possible, um, if we aren't doing that ourselves. We can't be hypocrites, moms, especially during these teen years. Our kids know it and they will resent us for it. So we need to set the example as best we can. We're never going to do it perfectly, but they need to see that we're trying. And lastly, just remember that this time is ordained by God. It's part of our kids' education and preparation for life. It's an opportunity to gauge where their hearts are along the the way in terms of their faith and can lead into some really great conversations that shape our kids' for life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these kids you have blessed us with. Lord, I pray for every mom who's struggling right now with an unmotivated teen. I pray that you would bring back to her mind anything in this podcast or something else that would really be beneficial for her particular situation. Lord, you know her children better than anybody. Um, You love her and her kids more than anybody. And so you can give these moms wisdom. You said, if we ask for wisdom, we just needed to ask for it. And so you would give it generously. And so I pray for a generous portion of wisdom for every mom listening. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.